Good morning, church. Can you hear his voice? We're going to be in chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. We're going to read God's Word together. Today, we're going to see Jesus declaring himself as the Good Shepherd, and John chapter 10 is one of the most beautiful word pictures in the New Testament. And actually, as we go through the verses, we're going to be looking at 18 verses this morning, and actually, verse 6 talks about a figure of speech, or in the Greek, a, a paromia, which just means a speech or discourse in which a thing is illustrated in, by the use of similarities and comparisons. So God, this morning, Jesus in the flesh, the God-man, is gonna, he's speaking to the religious leaders, and he's going to compare himself to the good shepherd, as the good shepherd. So let's read that together. I'll be reading in the ESV, John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does, who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of a stranger's. The figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you that I am the door of the sheep, and all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them, because I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees them because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold that I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of God. May I add a blessing to it this morning. The Bible uses shepherd illustration throughout the Old and New Testament. In fact, the first time I ever committed any scripture to memory was when I was 16 years old and I was at a funeral. My second funeral ever in my life, I went to a funeral for my grandfather at 13, but at 16, Laura's great-grandfather, our grandmother Gladys passed away in Harvey, New Brunswick, and she invited me to the funeral. And this was a Christian funeral, first Christian funeral I ever went to. Walked in the door with Laura and I was given, to, given a bulletin or an order of worship, and on the front was the picture of her great-grandmother with some information, but on the back was Psalm 23. And I remember sitting there looking at Psalm 23 and the beginning of Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd. And I, I was very confused by that statement. 
the Lord is my shepherd. I was thinking, how can a Lord be a shepherd? I didn't know it was Jesus as Lord. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about the church. But I was reading through this, and it was so interesting the way that psalm was flowing. And I remember asking Laura after, at the end of the service about this, and I, I sat there for 40 minutes really not listening or paying attention to what was happening at the funeral. I was actually trying to, to I didn't know if we had to give these pieces of paper back. So I was trying to memorize everything on that page. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was going through that over and over and over. And actually still to this day, from that funeral, I remember Psalm 23. So I asked some information when we got in the car, like why is the Lord a shepherd or what does that mean? And I was told, go ask the pastor. (laughs) That seems to be the answer of the church, right? Like, hey, I got a question, ask the pastor. I remember going in and talking to our, our, our lead pastor and I said, here's the information, the Lord is a shepherd, I don't understand. And I said, can you explain this to me? And he said, no. He says, go learn about shepherds. That's what he told me. And I was thinking, that's not a good answer, telling me to go do research. That was the best answer in the world because I went and researched shepherds and it literally changed my whole life. And I wanna give you some information about shepherds before we dive in. Being a shepherd is hard. The life of a shepherd, the terrain was dangerous, the sheep could get lost, They could get hurt. They could be picked off by predators. And these sheep that they were guarding, these shepherds were guarding, they're always hungry. They're always looking for a place to eat. They're looking for grass, and they would wander, usually not looking where they were going, often getting into trouble, going off the pathway, or even just getting snatched up by a predator. So the job of the shepherd was to protect the sheep, to lead them out and to bring them back in, protect them from wolves and lions And those who would want to actually steal the sheep because it wasn't just predators, natural predators, it was actually thieves and robbers that would want to steal the sheep. They'd take them and they'd use their will or they would eat them or sell them. So they had to be guarded. It was a a full-time, on-guard, important job, the shepherd's position. One author actually shared that a necessary characteristic of a shepherd were constant vigilance, fearless courage, and also patient love for the flock. The shepherd was always on duty, always armed. He had some tools, four things, a scrip, which was a bag of animal skin that he used for his food, a sling, which in Judges 2016, they were really good, they were practiced, and Judges 2016 says that they could sling a rock at a hare and not miss, a staff, which was a small club with nails in it that he would fasten to his belt, being able to grab that and defend the sheep from predators or robbers, and then a shepherd's crook or rod. And that was used to pull sheep back from danger or to correct them from wandering. And as I'm learning and studying about the tools of the shepherd, I go back to Psalm 23. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. At the end of the day, a shepherd would go out, but at the end of the day, he would gather his sheep and he would bring them in, depending on if they were in a town or village or if they were in an open field, how they would put the sheep away. So if they were out in an open field, he would gather them together in a sheep pen or a cave and he would put his rod across. He would actually stand across the opening and put his rod across and he would invite the sheep to come through. And what he would do is with the rod across, he would get down and he would examine the sheep. 
So the sheep were coming in and they were presenting themselves for examination. And he would look them over, see what happened during the day. And if there was any injury or if there was any, anything going on with the sheep, he would take that sheep and set it aside and he would bind it up and, and he would help it. So at the end of the day, they're coming in, rod across, he examined. He took care of his sheep. The sheep had to enter the sheep pen by the gate for examination by the shepherd. What's that tell us? The shepherd knows his sheep. And when they would leave for the day, the shepherd would lead the way. He wouldn't hire someone else or he wouldn't say, oh, go up and start. Or not like today, we have sheep dogs that would go out and start leading the sheep. The shepherd would get up himself, he would open the door and he would lead them. And the sheep would know to follow. And these sheep sometimes would get weary and tired or they see something shiny and they would stop. And the shepherd would look back and he would raise his voice and the sheep would hear his voice and they would know his voice and they would follow. And they would only follow the voice of the shepherd and none other. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. This is exactly what Psalm 23 is talking about. And he leads me beside still waters. I know I'm not camping out on Psalm 23, but I think the still water uh, statement is important. Sheep were anxious. They're anxious animals. They're scared of many things, especially rushing water. And, and the shepherd would lead them beside still waters as a sign of peace. Relax, you're okay. Where I am taking you, you're gonna be okay. So knowing all that about a shepherd, let's actually jump into the first five verses of God's word. It says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from the stranger from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger." This is the first five verses of, of John 10, and Jesus is speaking a comparison between his leading and the leading of the religious leaders. And we're in John 10, and this is the last, this is the last set of confrontation. Pastor Rick is gonna pick up the second part of John 10 uh, next week, but every time Jesus is at a festival, what is happening is these religious leaders are questioning him, and they're trying to stir up the crowd. They're trying to get the crowd to get behind them so that they can hurt Jesus or actually kill Jesus, and very soon this is gonna happen. But Jesus is making a comparison between their leadership and his leadership, and the religious leaders are worried. What are they worried about? Their status, because they control people through the law. Jesus is not trying to control at all. As the good shepherd, as he is declaring, he leads the sheep, and the sheep follow. They listen to him. And something for us to consider as God's sheep is this. A true sign of a follower of Christ is that you listen to the voice and you follow. As Christians and as ones called out of darkness into marvelous light in relationship with God, one of the characteristics of a true Christian is we listen to the voice of God and we obey. Even if there are competing voices, we listen and we obey Christ. Amen? 
One of the questions I get in my region and as I talk to people out on the streets and do evangelism, do life, is how do you, how do you know, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you know when you're hearing the voice of God? Well, that's a great question. And the truth is, we get to know and understand or we recognize God's voice through his word. We study his word. 66, 66 books, 33,000 verses. David said, I've hid your word in my heart so that I, not, I will not sin against you. And the way that we are able to distinguish God's voice with all the other voices in the world and even our inner voice that tells us a bunch of things is by we study God's word. That's the first thing. The second thing is we pray. We seek the Lord through prayer. We meet with the Lord. We talk with God. Paul says to pray without ceasing. This communion that is happening with us and God on a regular basis as individuals and corporately as the church coming together, we will get to know and recognize his voice when we study his word and when we pray. And I would add a third thing is when, when we do communion as the church, when we commune with God, when the church comes together under the, under the, the guidance and, and, and the leadership of the lead shepherd in, that would be Pastor Rick for us, as he leads us in communion, the body coming together, as we do that, we will recognize his voice. Look at verse three here. It says, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and then he leads them out. What does that tell us? Reading these first five verses, what does this tell us about our shepherd? Well, if we look at verse two, our shepherd is a true leader. He is one that we can trust. Verse three, he knows all of his sheep personally. And verse four, he leads them. He doesn't give the task to someone else. He is present and he is going forth and he is leading the sheep. This is the shepherd that we have. This is the shepherd that we are singing about. This is the shepherd that is calling us by name. So what's the application here? What's the moment where we press in as the church? I put this as a personal reflection to think about as, we, as we're looking through God's word. Couple questions. First one, is Jesus your shepherd? Based on what we're learning about shepherds, we present ourselves for examination. He's looking over our hearts, creating me a clean heart, oh Lord. Search me, Lord. We're asking that. Is Jesus your shepherd? Is he leading you? Or is the world pulling you here and there? Is he leading you? Can you hear his voice through study and, and understanding and, and, and prayer and communion and coming together with the fellowship of the, of the local church? Can you, can you hear his voice? Not only can you hear his voice, are you obeying what he's saying? I think the final question for this section for us to think about this morning is, has he called your name? The good shepherd is the door to life for the sheep. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door to the, of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse seven, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep and all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them because I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and in and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. So in this next section, Jesus changes the metaphor slightly. In 10, 1 to 5, he says he is the shepherd who leads the sheep out, but in 10, 7, he changes it. He says he is the entrance to the fold that leads the sheep to greener pastures. He declares that he is the door. This is the third of the, uh, of the seven I am statements that we see in John. He says that I am the door. And what he is actually teaching right now is he is combating the teaching of the Pharisees and the religious leaders there saying that he is the only way in which man can be saved. Jesus is teaching that man, for man to be saved, he needs to come through Jesus. He declares Jesus and the Father are one. He says, I am on this mission. I am only doing what the Father has told me to do. Later on in John 14, we will see Jesus declare that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the door to salvation. He is making it very plain. They say in, figure, in, in verse 6, he's speaking in a, a, a figure of speech, but now he is making it clear that salvation only comes through him. He is the door. So when they're out in the fields, what they would do is they would try to gather the sheep in a cave, but if they were in the towns, they would have a walled up area. They would bring, the shepherd would bring in, bring in the sheep, lead them in, and usually into a walled in area, and they had a big, big door that would guard the sheep. Jesus is saying, I am the door that protects the sheep. Look at verse 10, the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the, the thief comes to do. But Jesus, as the door to salvation, he brings protection, and he is also declaring that not just salvation through him, but also an abundant life. If you look at this, Jesus protects, but he doesn't just lock us up. I have a dog. I have two big dogs. I have a big dog, a gospel, who's massive, and I have a tiny little white dog, Tucker. And at the end of the night, we put Tucker in a little cage kennel thing. Like, I pick him up, and I put him in there. He's locked in. He ain't getting out. And even this morning when I got up, I could hear him talking. My dog has a voice to me. We t I talk to my dog. I'm very weird. I'm alone at home. I talk to my dogs. It's a weird thing. So I'm from upstairs. I'm yelling to Tucker. Hey, buddy, I'm going to come see you. He's in his dog voice. Okay, come see me. <laughs> He's locked in. He ain't getting out. Some of us think that's Christianity. That Jesus is the way in and then we're stuck in him. But that's not what he is declaring, and that is not Christianity, and if you're a part of that, you're a part of something that ain't of God. Because what he says, when you enter through me, I give you the abundant life. Jesus protects, but he just doesn't lock us in. Look at verse 9. It has two parts in it. The first part, part A, is I am the door, and anyone who enters through me will be saved. That's salvation. But look at part B. He will come in and go out, and he will find pasture. Jesus not only is the way, the truth, and the life, he's not only the entranceway into salvation, but he is also freedom. He brings freedom. He allows us to come in and out and find pasture. What does Jesus offer as the great shepherd, as the doorway? He offers salvation. He offers protection. He offers freedom. And most of all, he offers abundant life. This is what the shepherd, the door, provides for his own. When you look at the word 
the abundant life word, it's actually a Greek phrase. And it's not just abundantly, it actually translates to super abundance. That's what it's actually saying. As Jesus provides a super abundance life. A super abundance. Life now and life to come in eternity. To be a follower of Jesus, to know who he is and what that means is to have a super abundance life. Some personal reflection. Have you personally entered through to the door of super abundant life? I think this point right here, this question, is, is a true telltale tell, sign of, of our real relationship with God. This next question. Are you experiencing right now in your life, think about this, are you experiencing the power and the presence and the provision and the protection of Jesus? Are you experiencing the power and the presence and the provision and the protection of the Lord Jesus in your life? Because that's what comes with the super abundant life, the power of God the presence of God, the protection of God, the, protect, the pro- provision of God in your life. This is the super abundance life, the coming in and going out and finding pasture. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The, the, the sheep present themselves and they're examined. They know my voice. They're studying. They're obeying. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus to know God, be known by God, and to experience all these amazing things every single day. I wake up, I put my feet on the ground, I know I step out in power because of what God has done. That there is grace and mercy for me when I mess up, and when I mess up, we fess up and we go forward, but we walk in power as the church, knowing that he is calling us, that he has provision for us, that he has protection around us, So we do not have to fear. I lead you beside still waters because I know you're an anxious little sheep, aren't you? So I'm going to take you into these places where you know, where you can see that I am with you and you can be calm and you can step out. Are you experiencing freedom from sin? This is where we as the church have to examine our lives. Personal examination. Am I growing in sanctification and holiness towards the Lord or am I stagnant? Am I the sheep that says, hey, shepherd, you can go out for the day, but I just want to chill right here. I actually don't want to go out and do anything today. And we kind of just, I don't want to listen to your voice. Are you experiencing the freedom that Jesus brings from sin. Because we've been given everything in this life to live a life onto God, a life of holiness. In this present day, this ain't something from way back then. This is right now, today, on this Sunday, Palm Sunday. You can experience the power, provision, protection of Jesus and leave your sin behind and move forward. As we look at these scriptures, I wanna note something because it's going to lead into the next section of true and false shepherds. In both metaphors, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and he says, I am the door. 
But what he is doing is he is contrasting to the evilness that is out there and the slyness of those who may want to get in and hurt the sheep. In both sections, he says, thief and robbers, they, they sneak in, they climb in. He is talking about the evil actions and the evil mischief and the evil intent that is all around the family of God and even in the family of God. Which means that we need to be sure that we know and understand that Christ is our shepherd, our good shepherd. We need to know and understand and be able to declare that I have walked through the door. We need to know and understand that he is protecting our life because there is evil all around us. There is evil in this place here today. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who has a hired hand, he is not a shepherd, he declares. He does not own the sheep, and when he sees a wolf coming, what does he do? He leaves the sheep and he flees, and the wolf snatches them, and he scatters his sheep. Verse 13, he flees because he is a hired hand, and he cares nothing for these ones, these sheep. He says, I declare, I am the good shepherd and I know my own, and my own know me. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. This next section is actually teaching about the substitutionary death for sinners on the cross. Jesus is declaring, looking at the religious leaders and saying, I'm going to lay my life down for the sheep. All the while they are trying to take his life, he is declaring, I am laying my life down. Jesus compares once again between how he leads and how the religious leaders are leading. And this is a direct shot at the oversight of his people. They are failing God's people. Jesus lays down his life. Shepherds, when they were out in the field, what they would do, the difference between in a town or a village versus out in a field is you would have walls and a big door to protect, but out in the field, they were exposed. And what Jesus is, he is explaining here about laying down his life, they knew exactly what he was talking about because they knew exactly how shepherds would act. And when they were out in the field, what they would do is they would corral the sheep and get them real close and real close. After, after the shepherd would examine them, he would get them really close, usually in a cave. They try to go for a cave, but if they, want, they weren't in a cave, they try to make some walls and get them all in there. And when everything was taken care of and he got the sheep to rest, they lay down, the shepherd himself would go to the doorway and he would lay across the door. So if a sheep got up in the middle of the night and was wandering around and tried to leave the fold, they literally had to climb over the shepherd and he would stop them. And you'd take care of them. Like, I just picture this. What are you doing, little sheep? <laughs> Time to go back to bed. <laughs> like, this is the reality of I'm laying down my life. And the, 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 the cool thing about the shepherd laying down his life, laying at the doorway, he was first up. He was first up and ready. So if there was a predator, if a lion came or if a wolf, he was up, he had his rod ready and he was gonna defend the sheep and he would actually go at them and he would put his life on the line so the, 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 the whole realm of the sheep would be safe. And he's looking at the religious leaders and he's saying, I am the one who is gonna lay down my life. I am the doorway, I lay down because I am gonna protect my sheep. This is fantastic for us. 
when we start to know and understand. That's what I said, what I learned about the shepherd, this has totally helped me in my life to understand who Jesus, Lord and Savior, but the shepherd metaphor and analogy for me has been great when it comes to learning how to walk with God and to learn from him. If danger come toward the fold, he'd be the first line of defense. The shepherd would use his sling or his rod to protect. He would lay down his life to protect every one of his sheep. And the hired man would not. They don't care about the sheep at all. They care about money. They don't do anything extra. They're not examining the sheep. They're not binding up the sheep. They're not looking for, for the protection of the sheep. They're looking, when does my shift end so I can get paid? They protect themselves. And Jesus is speaking directly against these religious leaders that they are, who are protecting themselves only. And we see this in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 34. Let me read a little bit of Ezekiel 34. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, oh, shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Look at verse 15 of 34. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. This is, this is a prophecy of Jesus. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. And I will seek the lost. And I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong, I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. There is a double danger for the flock of God. The flock is at risk. Jesus lays down his life for the church. And the church has a double danger in this world. The first danger is the danger of the wolves in the world. In, Mar in Matthew 10, 16, Jesus declares, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. In this world, people hate Jesus and they hate Christians and they're out there. But look what that says in Mark. I am sending you out. We do not have to fear this world. We can step out. We can go out. Jesus is sending us out. We know that by the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and remembering that I am with you to the very end of the age. This is what I'm doing. We go out, but there is a danger out there. We don't have to be afraid, but we have to be wise and know that there are things out there that will lead us astray. And like little sheep, sometimes we see, ooh, a shiny thing. <laughs> and our eyes come off Jesus. That is the first danger. And the second danger for, of the double danger for the church is there's da the danger of the wolves inside of the church. And Paul speaks in Acts 20, 29. He says, after I leave, 
Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So there is a double danger for the church. There is danger outside the walls and sometimes there are danger inside the walls of a church. And that's why God has appointed shepherds. And the shepherds at Calvary Baptist Church, we are not perfect, but we will lay down our life and we will fight for you. And we will fight against false doctrine. We are not afraid of that. We know how to rebuke, and I don't say this pridefully. We know how to rebuke and hold God's word because we are constantly training, constantly helping each other as a pastoral team to make sure that our sheep are protected. We are not afraid of this world. We are not afraid of false teachers. And if they are gonna hurt our sheep, we will have a meeting with you. Because God's word is too important. God's mission is too important. God's mission has been given to the church. And you need to pray for your shepherds as we protect you. As you come into membership, that's why a membership is so important. We know our sheep. And in membership, we know and understand we're guarding you. We have, a, we have a, a special meeting that we have to have with Jesus after this is all over and he's gonna ask you about, he's gonna ask us about you. How did you defend? How did you feed? How did you bind up? How did you love my kids? That's a, that's a, I'm a, I'm a little worried about that, Pastor Rick. I'm a little worried about that conversation because we fall short of the glory of God every day. We're not perfect but we are committed to what God is saying here. Feed my sheep. Personal reflection. Like sheep, we have the temptation to go astray. But here's the truth. But with Christ overseeing, he will correct us. That's what the Lord does. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. That's what happens when we read God's word. The Spirit corrects us. But the question for us to ponder this morning is, are we trying to get past the protection of Jesus in your life? Because sometimes as Christians, we look for little ways to get around things, right? We look for the loopholes. That's not what we do as followers. We listen to the voice of Jesus. We go through him. He is the door to salvation. He is the one who gives us abundant life and we rest in him. When he says go, we go. When he says rest, we rest. And this is what happens in our daily life, our daily reflection with God. Some days he's gonna tell us to get up and go and other days he's gonna tell us just wait right here. And what we wanna do sometimes is we don't wanna rest. No, God, I gotta go. When he's telling us to rest and sometimes he's telling us to go and we're like, no, I need a break. And we try to get around his protection. God has put his word He has given us his word for us as as a way for us to know him and to experience the abundant life, the super abundant life that he declares. But we need to listen to what the word of God says in all aspects. Like sheep, we have the temptation to go astray and maybe even here today, you have been off the path for a while. Come on back. Come on back. I had a pastor once say, it doesn't matter how many steps you take away from God, it only takes one step to come back to him. We meet with God, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive them. Which leads me into my last part. I'm gonna wrap it up. The death and resurrection and glory of our God. Two verses, 17 and 18. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life 
that I may take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I receive from my Father. In this last section, Jesus repeats the phrase, take it up again, twice. And what Jesus is declaring in front of these religious leaders, he wants them to know and understand the cross is not the end. He will rise from the dead, conquering sin and death, and with all authority, he will demonstrate his messiahship and deity. We see this in Romans 1.4. Everything about Jesus' mission, everything that we've been learning, everything that Pastor Rick has been teaching us in John has been leading to this moment. He is going to the cross. This is the last confrontation he will have. And then he will go away for three months, come back and be crucified. But even, you'll learn next week, there is a moment where he still offers salvation to those who, who are doing a wicked job. He offers the invitation. Everything about Jesus' Jesus's mission pointed to his father's plans of the cross. Jesus came on a rescue mission for his own. And he is not playing the victim. William Barclay says this, Jesus was not helplessly caught up in a mesh of circumstances from which he could not break free. Apart from any divine power he might have called, it is quite clear that to the end, he could have turned back and saved his life. Jesus did not lose his life. Jesus gave his life. The cross was not thrusted upon it, him. He willingly accepted it for you and for me. Jesus lays down his life because he is the good shepherd and he is the door, and he calls his own. Who are his own? Who are his own? Well, Romans 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In Romans 10, 13, it says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I am the good shepherd, I am the doorway. Real talk. Are you saved? Do you have a real relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior? Which means you present yourself to be examined. You're not afraid of that. You come to the doorway. As you go in and out with Jesus, you, there's a moment every day where you stop and you say, Lord, I present myself to you. Examine me. Are you walking in the power and protection of Jesus? Are you seeing his provision? Are you sinning less and less as you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ because of what he has declared? And can you hear his voice? I'm gonna pray in a moment. And I want you to know that we've been praying, I've been personally praying for our congregation over the last nine weeks I've noticed that Pastor Rick has come down either here or down to the front at the end of every service and offers an invitation. I'm begging you as one of your pastors, literally, please, please think about this. Do you know the Lord? Because as the Pharisees and religious leaders are gonna find out next week, time is short. And we do not know what will come. We know that he knows what will come, but we do not know. And this is not a season where we just play games. 
Not that we are, but I just want to put this out. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the invitation is open. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, even now, will be saved. So you can put your trust in him right now. You can enter through that gateway, that doorway. You will see the super abundant life. You will experience the power and the protection and the provision of God in your life. You can say no to sin and yes to the things of God right now, here today. So that's the first option for us. If you do not know the Lord, I'm gonna pray in a minute. You can pray with me. I'm not gonna ask you to come down. You can stay right where you're at in your seat. And we can make that declaration together. And the second thing for us here today is a lot of us have been Christians for a long time. And maybe we're not walking with the Lord. Maybe there are things going on in our lives. I wanna give you a quick Quick thing, when I went to Bible college, I went to a Wesleyan Arminian college. The Wesleyan Arminian college had altars at the front. As a Baptist pastor, I was not going to an altar because I needed to deal with the Lord at my seat because the Lord comes to me and I can go to the Lord. I had this stupidness in my heart. They preached these messages and I would feel the Holy Spirit just tugging at my heart and just ripping at me and knowing things weren't right in my life. And they'd say, the, the invitation is open. And it wasn't about coming to the front. It was about dealing with your life before the Lord. It was a serious moment. And week after week, I would sit in chapel at the back and say, like, I don't need to go to the altar. I can just deal with the Lord in my heart right now. But I wasn't. I wasn't dealing with the, the fact that the Lord was trying to teach me something or bring me closer to him or reveal something in my life. So it really wasn't about these moving forward altars. It was really about just doing this transaction with the Lord. And one day the Lord hit me so hard. And I remember just going up. I stood up and I went to the altar. And it wasn't about that, but people are like, people knew that I didn't go up front. So like, oh, something must have been really wrong in his life. He actually made the step up. There was lots of things in my life and I, just keep, I was keeping it hidden from people. And most of all, I wasn't confessing it to the Lord and I was creating space between me and my God and it needed to be dealt with. And that day, I can still remember that day, the freedom I felt of confessing my sin and moving away from it. That was in my second year in Bible college. For the next two years, the chapel was always open. Instead of spending time kind of getting to know people up at the, up at the school, I'd come in, I'd go to class, and then I'd go to chapel, and I'd spend two hours at the altar, just me and the Lord, just learning to hear his voice, learning to grow with him, to get close to him. But I missed out because I was stubborn. So I ask you, if you are a Christian and there are things going on in your life, do not miss this moment. Deal with the Lord. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, and those who confess their sin will be forgiven. This is an opportunity that we have here today, and I'm gonna pray. And then we're gonna worship God because that's what we do, amen? He is the good shepherd. So if you are here this morning and you have not committed your life to Christ and you wanna do that now, I can include you in my prayer this morning. You can just slip your hand up right now and I will pray and add you in. Yes, I see you, thank you. Yes, yes, I see you, yes. Hey, let's rejoice. The Lord is good. There is brothers and sisters. There is brothers and sisters here today, new brothers and sisters who are, are about to make that commitment to go from death to life. Hallelujah. We were praying for this this morning, that God would come in. 
Pastor Rick has been teaching us week after week, week after week, and God has, has been faithful to you. So I will pray with you. You can, when I get to that part of the prayer, you can just repeat what I'm praying. And for us who are here today that may not be fully on board with what God is doing, and we've been like a sheep that wandered around and we're not looking towards God, we're not experiencing his abundant life. If that's you, why don't you slip your hand up and I'm putting my hand up because I want more of Jesus. If that's you here today, yes, thank you. Okay, excellent, good. Praise the Lord. When we are real and we are honest with, the God, with God, he deals with us in a beautiful, graceful way and he changes our life. So that is a good thing. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. Thank you for your teaching here today. Thank you that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that you are our doorway that we can enter in. Thank you that it is you that provides the abundant life, the super abundant life. God, I thank you for your protection over our lives when we fail. You offer us grace and we can come to you. So God, first of all, I wanna pray for all of us here. God, help us to fine tune your voice in our life. I'm praying for myself and my brothers and sisters here that want just more of you, that wanna get back on track, God. If there is sin in our lives, God, we wanna just acknowledge that to you and turn from that. We wanna repent from that and turn from that. God, will your grace come into our lives right now? Will you take our sin as far as the east is from the west out of our lives? Will you remember it no more even though we remember it? God, thank you. And Father, I pray for those that you're about to save. As we pray, you can pray with me. Lord, I want you as my Lord and Savior. I know that I am a sinner and in need of your grace. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you that your blood will cover me. Thank you that as I commit myself to you, your spirit will come in and counsel me. Thank you that you've put me in a church that will disciple me. Lord, save me. I want to commit my life to you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, if you prayed with me this morning and accepted Jesus Christ in your life, praise the Lord. I just want to ask you to take one of these cards and just put your name on it and check I became a follower of Jesus Christ and connect with one of our pastors down front or go to our connections room and talk to one of the pastors there and just drop off your card because we're not meant to do life alone. We do life in the fold. And God has given you shepherds here at Calvary and we are part of this together. We are part of the church together. So you come and you, you fill this out so that we know, so that we can, can walk with you and do life with you and help you to know and understand about God's perfect grace and his mercy and his protection and his provision in your life. And as we close today, can you hear his voice, church? Can you hear his voice? I can hear his voice. And I thought it would be good together. We're going to put Psalm 23 on the screen. Is that going to come up? And I thought maybe we could, as we end today, read this together as one church. Let's do this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
and surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We're here to pray with you.